What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hello and welcome to Just the Cheese, Please. I'm Tara J and I'm here with Adam. How are you, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. It feels kind of weird doing this right now because it's so bright out. Not that we usually do it like late, but doesn't it seem so early? It does. <laughs> so we had to change up our times and I'm just looking outside. I'm like, it's so sunny. This is weird. I'm like, should I even be having this glass of wine right now? This feels not. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely having my glass of wine. <laughs> It has been quite a day already, it's for mm-hmm. sure. We both, we both, it seems, have had a day. So hopefully after, after this, we'll feel a little better. Yeah. Let's hope my neighbors don't start having a pool party with screaming kids. Oh, no, I forgot about that. That does happen. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we, when we come to it. So today, uh, we, we're doing Short Circuit, 1986, uh, directed by John Batham. Mm-hmm. Now, this was kind of hard for me to pick. Only because in my, from my personal definition of cheesy, I guess, I guess watching it now, it was, it definitely was, but it was hard because I have, I just love this movie so much. I have so much love for this movie. Um, I just thought it was the best. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I could watch it over and it was one of those things where like, I'd go and want to rent this over and over again. And my mom would have to be like, you've already seen this like 75 times, like pick something different, you know, it was like that, like the never ending story was another one of those, but I just, I wanted to see it over and over again. So I just, I loved it. I grew up watching it constantly. Um, even with my fear of robots, mm-hmm. which if you know me, I, I have a weird thing with robots. These for the most part, there are, there's, there's like one or two in there that definitely creep me out. But, um, for the most part, like the robots, like the numbers five, whatever, like he, they're just very cute. So it doesn't bother me. Yeah, you you were like, I don't know if we can do this movie. It might be too good. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know if it's cheesy. And I was like, let's try it. Okay. <laughs> it's I'm like, it might be too amazing. Cause I honestly, I mean, I watched it a lot as a kid, but I don't really know like the last time I saw it as an adult. So Yeah, yeah. Uh this movie was one of my favorites growing up too. Um, not like at the top of the list, but definitely in that pile of of tapes that I would pull out and, and play. And it, it got me watching it again. It got me right in the in the feels, as they say, um, more than anything we've done so far, because I think it just I just relived some things, some lines that uh, just got to me from when I was a child. And uh, yeah, I, I was really glad to watch this again with fresh eyes and being a little bit older. There's some things I got that I didn't get before and it just gave me a different perspective on on the movie and, and what happened and the narrative so uh yeah I, I was really happy you picked this good well i'm glad because it was enjoyable to watch and it's short too it's like just over 90 minutes like it's not a long movie is i don't right. know yeah maybe it's just because i was enjoying it but i did notice watching this um i get i tend to get the first and second ones confused in my head 
this one was not the one I actually think I might like two better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the most of the memorable parts for me were two. And I watched this and I was like, there's not as much action in this one. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't do as much, but it's like your introduction to Johnny Five and just how absolutely adorable he is. So yeah, um, yeah I think two was a bit cheesier and it was kind of, it didn't take itself as seriously as this one. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, so yeah, do you want to go ahead and explain the plot to us? Sure. So, uh, all right. Um, it starts off with, uh, so, all right. So there's this Nova, Nova robotics laboratories who is built, who are building these robots, these weapons of war that they're, I guess they're trying to sell to Congress or to the defense department to be part of the, the military. And the idea is that they are fully autonomous. They can go behind enemy lines. They can kill kill the enemies. They cost you know tens of millions of dollars. And there's five prototypes. They're trying to sell it. During the demonstration, it starts raining. One of them gets struck by lightning, sort of indirectly, and winds up malfunctioning. And and through a series of weird things, he winds up off the the property of the robotics company, and starts to realize that he is actually alive and he's no longer just a machine. And he runs across this woman played by Ali Sheedy. And first she thinks he's an alien, but then she comes to realize that he's a robot and she is one of the first to accept that he's alive. And so she tries to keep him safe from the robotics company that wants to take him apart and wants to reclaim him and take him apart. And it's basically the two of them running from the robotics lab for the entire movie. No disassemble. No disassemble. No disassemble. <laughs> and and the, the guy who built him, Steve Gutenberg, is not really a war guy. He just is really good at robotics, and he happened to build these machines. And he's been working for this robotics laboratory. And he's very difficult to persuade that Johnny Five's alive, but he eventually... He eventually does, and him and Alishidi kind of have this chemistry, and they are able to, at the end, save Johnny Five from the robotics laboratory. And now, now he's like an enemy of the state because he stole some government <laughs> robot, and he's like running away with it. Oh yeah. Well, they don't know. They think they think the well, well. We'll talk about the yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. I just I want to talk about the beginning for a minute, like the the the, the title sequence like you know just with the credits and the credit sequence um mm -hmm. with my robot thing i don't know the, the beginning i never liked it scares me i don't like all that machinery i don't like all like up close and it's that kind of really intense almost like dianetics music it's like really intense like 80s kind of robotic i don't know it really freaked me out so the beginning i still actually even as an adult i was like mm, can i fast forward through this this is creeping <laughs> me out a little bit uh, so I, I, I love I, that. It's like it was almost like how did this? Um, not how did this get? It was almost like that. Um, what's that show? It's a, oh, um, how it's how it's how, made. How, how it's, it's made. made. Yeah. yeah. And they show all the machining and the building of parts, and uh, that was pretty cool. Oh, I'm sure it's cool to most people, and it's not saying it's not interesting. It just creeps me out. It's okay. weird. Right. It, free it freaks me out. So uh, we open in this like gorgeous fields that they're like demonstrating this terrible these like war machines, which I always thought was funny. They show like these flowers in the field and it's all green and beautiful and they're all out there for a party. And then they, <laughs> then all of a sudden, like one of the robots just like zeroes in on something and like blows it up. And then I don't <laughs> yeah. know, I just think the contrast was very funny as how like they open it up. So it, it looks so nice and peaceful. And then like 
these robots are like blowing shit up all over the place. Well, it's making a statement. I think the opening scene is like a rose growing and then like a truck runs over it or, or something. Like the flower, yeah, the red yeah. flowers. Yeah, it runs over. Exactly. That's like I noticed they're showing the flowers like up close and all of a sudden it's just like squish and yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, just, it, I kind of. You, you kind of get the impression right away that this is going to be an anti-war movie. Like the, the warmongers are going to be the, the bad guys in this. Yeah. It sets that up, right? It's, yeah, it is. But it's not, it's not like overtly, you know, it's okay. so it's not, it's not like obnoxiously so, I don't think. But yeah, there definitely is sentiments in there. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually watching this and saying like Nova, because I used to like to watch Nova when I was a kid, the show mm-hmm. <laughs> on PBS. Yeah. And I thought that they were the same thing. And I'm like... <laughs> Is that the same? Like, is is it the show? Does the same thing? Is like, do they have people that do that? I never saw that show. I I've I've seen commercials for it. I saw it in TV Guide, but I never actually watched it. Oh man, PBS! It was like the best. It was mm-hmm. just like nature and whatever. Like oh, that's why I never watched it. Parts of the world, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Pretty I'm cool. not a nature guy. I'm a robot guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you like that? No, this Nova better. <laughs> yeah, very much. And one of the first, I, well, the first thing you see the 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 machines do is blow a bunch of stuff up but the second thing you see it do is make gin and tonic make a cocktail <laughs> which, <laughs> which i have written down i'm like it looks like they're in the high school football field or something yeah and they yeah. have like these these robots like fixing cocktails like i thought that was pretty funny that's great they're like look it can kill things and make you a drink <laughs> it takes it takes like a 10 pound block of ice and it just like smashes it between its hands <laughs> in order to get like a few ice a cubes, few cubes. <laughs> And I so this was my first experience with Fisher Stevens, this movie. Okay. So, of course, being a child, thinking that this is who he was, that mm-hmm. he was. They never actually say where he's from, but his accent kind of alludes to. He says he's from like, Bakersfield and his right, ancestors exactly. are from Exactly. But he's got an accent, obviously, that it's not American. So it kind of alludes to possibly India or, mm-hmm. you know, we don't really know. But mm-hmm. it's just funny because there that conversation is hilarious. He's like, oh, so like, where are your ancestors from? And he was like, something Pennsylvania or something. And then he's like, well, where are you from? Or he said, like, he says two different things. He says, where, where are you from? He goes, oh, uh, Bakersfield. And Steve Gutenberg says, oh, okay. Well, I mean, like, where are your ancestors from? And, yeah. And he goes, oh, oh, um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's very funny. <laughs> I kind of like that because it's just, it's a, it was a funny, it was a funny moment. So I had no idea when I had seen him in other movies that, he doesn't look like that. He doesn't talk like that. It was like kind of a, like shocked me because I just think he's, I don't know if I had a crush on him because I was like really young. So I don't know if like that was a thing, but I just know that I enjoyed his, I thought he was funny. Mm-hmm. Like I just really liked him when he's I was adorable. Kid. Yeah. And I, I know it's, I know it's probably super bad. It, this uh, Get it out there. Like it's probably bad that he's doing these like stereotypical Indian accents, but I he's, happen to, yeah. to love Stephen Fishens in this role. I, I'm sorry if it offends people. But uh, Fisher Stevens, I think he did a very funny character, and not just because of the accent. I think he was just very funny in this, and he was endearing. Like he was, he was. Just yeah. sweet, and the way his 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 non grasp of the English language was yeah. hilarious. Like, and it wasn't anything like bad, but he just would say um, puns or th- like you know just like sayings, but he would get them kind of wrong and mm-hmm. he would say them in a, like a wrong way. And I'm just like, Oh my God, he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he would get them wrong. And I, I thought it was like a very genius way. Cause they were always close, but not quite right. You, you, you right. could see someone making those mistakes, but it was just very funny. And, uh, it's, I, I was reading about it cause I was like, I was like, we're going to have to talk about it. So let me read up on it. And there were people who were upset at his portrayal of it initially. 
Uh, and even he says, like, I couldn't get away with his character today. Right. But he spent five weeks living in India researching for this role, which is kind of funny considering it's just like a comedy. You wouldn't think that he would have done that, but he sort of took it seriously as much as he seems like he's parodying the the, um, the accent. He's I thought he did a really good job. He did. And I think that's actually very respectful. And like, you know, we can we can go on forever and people can be offended about because people are offended by li- literally everything these days. And instead of that, like, take it as, you know, it was a different time. And right. he actually took it seriously, though. And he and he did do a really great job. And he even said in interviews, like, if this had been if this like a reboot of this or someone does it, he's like, I would prefer the character to be played by like a person actually from India. I just think that it would be obviously better. Mm. But it was what it was. And whatever and we can move on from that it's not a big deal it was, it was the character was originally going to be white and then they were like no let's make him ethnic and they were gonna get bronson pincho Pincho, yeah and he backed out and they were like i don't know fisher stevens can you do some sort of ethnic character he was like sure and it just i don't know if i, I don't know what the deal was in the 80s like now there are a lot of south asians in it and robotics so I don't know if that was a conscious decision or if that was just like Fisher Stevens being like, this is the best accent I can do of someone not American. Yeah. But it's funny because he actually got mistaken for an Indian actor in India when this movie came out. They thought it was like this Indian actor. Who oh, like wow. It was like his second movie because his first like movie. Like slipped under the radar. They didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. And I was That's like, well, great. it means he must have fooled some people. Maybe they just saw him in posters or something. But um, yeah, I, I, f- I feel like as much as they were sort of poking fun at, at the accent, I, I found it a very enjoyable character. And I don't think any harm was meant. I don't think so. I don't know. Definitely. I definitely don't think so. And Bronson Pinchot was going to do it, but he ended up, he, he decided to turn it down because perfect strangers was starting. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. So he went to do that and went on to do somebody, you know, somebody with an accent, like from another country, which I kind of think is funny. Cause I'm wondering if they <laughs> were intended for him to ever be from somewhere else like you know if he would done it but i don't know it's, i kind of thought that was interesting that he wait is bronson pinchot not from another country he's american isn't he uh is he i don't know i i just assumed he was foreign i he's not from Mipos. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we all know that that's not a real place but i kind of think we assume you know it's supposed to be some kind of maybe like med- mediterranean like greek i don't we're not really sure because they don't ever actually say right but yeah, you know yeah. he's he's i'm pretty sure he's american okay there you go. I guess I should look that up because I, I don't know. No, wanna, I think I you're right because now I, he, he wasn't in True Romance at the end. and He was in a bunch of stuff. He just played like a regular guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is not. No, no not like a weirdo But foreigner. see, he did that accent so well, you know, you'd never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's from New York. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at it. It's like born in Manhattan, New York. Like, I mean, I don't know. His his ancestors might be from somewhere else, but that motherfucker is American. Okay. So, yeah. Um. So yes, he's great, and I think his—I think he's—I just think he's wonderful in this movie. So they—they—they they, uh, they establish right away that Steve Gutenberg. Well, yeah, they establish right away that Steve Gutenberg doesn't want any part of this. He just wants to sit in the lab, sort of. He wants to sit in the lab and just do robotics, but then also when he gets a chance to go out, he—he he enjoys that as well. But the the Congress or whoever's buying the robots or potentially buying these robots, they—they they want to meet him. And he doesn't want to come out. And then he gets right. forced to come out and socialize. Oh, well, first it rains. It starts raining. They're outside. He's giving this, this uh, lecture to the bandstand. It starts raining. So they have to bring everyone inside, uh, move the reception inside after the demonstration of, of the war machines. And 
this is where I first noticed, and like you were saying, that that weird, intense, like music, mm-hmm. because nothing weird has happened so far, right? The, the the war machines have just demonstrated their their firepower, and it starts raining, and they're like, "Oh, it's raining. Let's move everyone inside." And then they show everyone moving inside, and the music kicks in, and it's like, "It's like, why is it so intense?" They're just moving out of the rain. <laughs> Some of the music annoyed me a lot in this. I will tell you that. Yeah. We'll get into that. It's like, oh, something's, something's going to happen. And it's like, no, they're just getting out of the rain. They're just yeah. moving inside. <laughs> but number five gets struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. And I guess they kind of think like he's broken, right? They're like, oh, well, we'll just load him up. You got to load him up because he's he's got hit, right? Is that, and don't they well, like. It, the, the lightning hits the power lines and he's hooked up to like a generator. So when it hits the power lines, the electricity like, travels through the power lines into the generator. Through, right. And the two guys who aren't like robotics people, they're just security guys, I think. They seem to think that it's their fault. They're, they say something like, oh, my God, we're going to get in so much trouble. It's like, what did you do wrong? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't control lightning. You're going to get in trouble for, for, for it raining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when he does get struck, he lets out this like harrowing scream. A scream, yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird already because he's not supposed to be alive so no. he wouldn't feel anything he's just a robot if anything things would just start crackling and frying i'm assuming Ooh, yeah there wouldn't be any like vocalization because of that like he doesn't feel it he doesn't you know know he's getting it's instantaneous it would be off and if it was going to be off it would be off instantaneously yeah yeah and then, uh, so they they finally they finally get uh, they they finally get uh, Steve Gutenberg to come and meet the potential buyers, and he says that he originally intended. I don't know if he's joking, but he says he originally intended these machines to be marital aids, which I definitely did not understand as a kid. But I'm guessing now is he saying that he built them as sex robots? I think I missed that. I don't. That's weird. I missed that. When he did he say it. that? He, he did. Goes, yeah, oh my he goes, gosh. My initial. Says my my initial plans weren't to make these war machines. I initially built them as marital aids, and he says it completely straight. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay. I mean, I know nowadays we have things that people are into, but like they actually look like human. These are like pieces of metal. How is this going to help anybody? I don't know. I, I look, no judgment, but I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, and they're trying to explain the uses of the the machines, and they're like, well, does it have any peacetime uses? And I'm like, well, yeah. The best way to maintain the peace is war or something like that. <laughs> and they're like, okay, so they don't have any peacetime use. No. Because we could drop them behind enemy lines. They can wait there for years, decades. And if Russia ever sends nukes off, then they can come alive and blow up Russia. And we call it Operation Gotcha Last. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like, are you saying that, like, once America is blown up, at least we can also blow up Russia, like, posthumously? Just <laughs> well, we have those robots waiting there, you know, just just sitting there. And they can. They don't have to feed. They don't have to eat. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to worry about them. They just sit around and wait. When the Russia blows us up, we got you last. <laughs> it's such a, like a, a military, like an 80s movie military thing to say, you know. So they go. So when they go in, is it? So now I'm like getting confused. They go inside and they still continue the party, right? Or is this another party I'm thinking of where they have the robots going around with like, the drink trays that's the same party yeah it is the same so when they move it inside it's they're they're inside now they have they're having this and i know like one of the so the robot that's doing the coffee and stuff mm-hmm. i don't care for that one that one can go away i i think i might have to be in another room 
if that was somewhere. I'd have to, I would have to be away from it. Moving, Something hot about coffee it. coming through. It's really creepy. And it's funny because I think they, you know, it's like they're saying canopy, like, but it's like, have a canopy. <laughs> 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 just the way it's like all robotic and their voice. I don't know. That just, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And uh, so they, they check on Johnny Five after he, well, the number five, I should say. They check in number five after he's been electrocuted and they're like, oh, he's still working. Wow, that's amazing. So they send him back inside and he's like, he's like banging into the walls. He can't can't see where he's going or something. I don't know. But he's malfunctioning, apparently. And he gets he gets like he's like a war machine. I understand he's malfunctioning, but he gets thwarted by like a couple of garbage cans. (laughs) come, Come along and basically like shove him into a truck, into a garbage truck. And he, you know winds up on this garbage truck that leaves the the robotics facility and that's uh how he gets out of the facility they don't by the time they realize he's gone and shut everything down garbage truck is already locked it's already gone yes and they're like we have a not only a 22 million or 11 million dollar uh piece of robotics on the loose but it's armed with the latest like war technology it's basically a weapon right of mass destruction yeah sure yeah on the loose and they're freaking out about it. And I think they should freak out about it. Some like, Oh, so GW Bailey is, uh, in this God. movie. He's infuriating in this. I mean, I love him. I really do love him. I do. Mm-hmm. And he, he was in mannequin that we watched and is he in anything else that we've, that we've done? He's in some movies we've thrown around, but, okay. not, but not done. Yeah. I mean, and I like him, but he is just, he is annoying in this. It's like, and every time they show him and his war cronies or, you know, the military, it's that same music, the drum and the, that, that military kind mm-hmm. of, you know, oh my gosh, every single time. And I'm like, I it just, it really got to me. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was annoying me after a while. It's funny. Cause this is a recurring theme for me, but I start to, as I've gotten older and I've seen things from multiple points of view, I find myself sympathizing with villains quite a bit. And I kind of see his point in a lot of this movie. Oh, gee, oh. I know he's like the bad guy, but he's like, first, I, I think he's got two motivations. And he says one of them, he's like, you got kids? Steve Gutenberg's like, no, he's like, well, I got kids and I want to see them grow up. And I'm like, that's pretty good motivation for wanting to stop a weapon of mass destruction that's on the loose and could kill a bunch of people at any time. Possibly, you know, yeah. Start a war. So that's one thing. Number two, I think that one of his other secret motivations is that he is worried that these machines are going to take the place of him. Uh, humans. Yeah. And him and his, yeah, exactly. Him and his team are going to be out of work. And he's probably old enough to retire, but he doesn't want these machines replacing his team. So I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's not true. But I kind of think he's got decent reasons. Does he, does he take it overboard? Does he go too far? Sure. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. nobody, nobody ever really tells him that this machine is alive. Not that he would believe it, but he never actually gets that information. Well, that's the thing. It's like I guess if you're thinking it's like one of these things, but it seems that the the machines now that they think it's like you know that it doesn't really work very well. Obviously, it somehow got out, but we're not sure how. But it seems that it takes commands. Like it doesn't just go up to a house and just start blowing it up for no reason. It needs some specific commands to do so, right? I mean, that you would think. That's what they believe. So, but then they're afraid that it's just going to go around and like blow people up and blow things up or whatever, which is, I guess, a possibility. But they don't realize how sweet he actually is, and he has no desire to do any of that. Well, he's he's not he's not responding. I yeah, I guess I get it, but at the same time, it was just so over the top and. 
you know, obviously we'll talk about the end later, but like the celebration at the end, it was so unnecessary. I mean, it was so ridiculous. They're like, it's like, they just blew up like a terrorist, you know, people, like people that were literally, I just, I don't know. It really, it bothered me. It was just too much. Yeah. I think it was meant to be. It was supposed to contrast how happy they were versus how sad people who knew that they had just destroyed a life was, you know, like that that contrast. So yeah, Uh, they did a good job though of making that contrast for sure. Yeah, they did. Cause I cry. I mean, I didn't cry this time, but I, <laughs> when I was younger, I cried every time when they did that, even though I knew he wasn't dead. So mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so he's on his big journey to Stephanie's house. Basically we, we, he doesn't know where he's going, but right. He's on his journey. He's wandering around. Mm-hmm. I have to, you know, I have to love the fact that he's like in a field with cows and they're all like <laughs> kind of licking him. And like, I love cows. So it's just, I love that. I thought that was so cute. And, um, <laughs> He's just, I don't know, it was just, that was the best. So he's on his way. And then he gets, now, I just, and I just watched this movie. It's, I don't know, I feel like this day is just taking up too much of my brain. So they, they establish communications with him and they're asking him, like, they're trying to get him to come back. And he, he says, like, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? No, yeah. <laughs> oh, cause, oh, because he's reading the billboard and it yeah. says, like, you know, somewhere it's like, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? <laughs> <laughs> Which I like, forgot what? about that campaign, the Dr. Pepper campaign. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I, I loved how how dickish Steve Gutenberg was as a tech guy because I've seen those people. I've been those people. Like I know. I like, Are you, is that you, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> the condescending when they're all asking stupid questions like, can't you just tell it to do this? And they're like, what an idiot. Like. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want it. Like, he doesn't have emotions. He doesn't get sad. He doesn't get happy. He just runs programs. I don't know. He just was so smug. and He was. He was yeah. kind of a dick in the first one. Like, you know, it's funny because like I said I do. I kind of remember the second one a little better. Maybe because I was a little older. I don't know. You know, like, but he's like kind of an asshole in the first one. He's just like, you guys are so dumb. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Like, you're all not like robotic geniuses. What the hell is going on here? Mm, yeah. I I was proud. That's what an IT person should be like. <laughs> That's you. So wait, are you telling me that you can build me a Johnny Five? <laughs> no, I'm not a robotics person, but uh, I can. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, that can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. So now you you, you remind me where, where? How does he finally get into the truck? Her. Tr- oh, so okay. So he is on the loose, and uh, GW Bailey. His name's I want to say Scroder. He his team gets to go ahead to go out and capture this thing and they run like right into it. They're actually pushing it forward and because they, they right. they're like in a tank and they can't see out of it. And they're like, where is it? We think it's like right around us. And it happens to be they're they're actually like pushing it. They're on pushing the it, yes, yes. And then they realize like, oh my god, it's right outside the door. And they slam on the brakes or something, and he goes flying off the bridge and he deploys his parachute. And it looks like he's swaying back and forth and they're like, it's going crazy. He's all over the place. And then his parachute and him land right into Stephanie's truck as he's falling off the bridge. Right. And it lands on top and she hears it. Mm-hmm. Right. Doesn't she? Cause she like notices it. I right. feel like okay. it doesn't crash through. That's right. I think no, yeah. and which is, would probably not happen. I mean, he's pretty heavy, I'm going to say. And yeah. you would definitely either either he would crash through because he doesn't crash through. No, because she doesn't see him until later on that night. When he's inside. Right. And the, tr- the truck is still intact at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, you know, is she like, 
here's the dog. And <laughs> so anyone that knows me knows that that would, that if I was allowed, that would probably be my house. Like I would have cats and dogs, raccoons, possums, <laughs> mice. I mean, she has got like a menagerie and I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my God, it's so cute. So if I was allowed to, that would totally be like my house. <laughs> I real okay. Cause I refer to her in my notes as an unhinged cat, cat lady. <laughs> It's not just cats, though. She's got wild animals in there, too. <laughs> I don't know if it's, making, if it's making my case for or against me, but I just think it's really cute. I love her. I love that she loves animals. I think it's sweet. And I've always wanted a food truck, so it's kind of like maybe that maybe that's me. Maybe, I, maybe Stephanie Speck is my spirit animal. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was going to ask if this was the genesis of your desire for a food truck. Maybe. <laughs> So like, this is why I love animal, like where I love all creatures and I want a food truck because I saw this movie 8,000 times when I was like six. So I don't know, maybe. And not to say she's not justified, but she wields that bat at a lot of people during this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she's carrying around a bat and she swings it multiple times at multiple people. Well, you know, her boyfriend, okay, I know they totally make him the douchebag. They put him in like the, what do they call it? The Canadian tuxedo. He's wearing denim, 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 <laughs> denim everywhere and like cowboy boots and his trucker hat and his trans am or whatever it is but he's definitely a dick like he throws her around like he's not a good oh no yeah abs absolutely at all so absolutely. i mean i would be willing to bat at that person too but she says that at, when he when she yeah she gets home she's when when he lands on the when the robot lands on the truck she's on her way home and she's she takes the bat and she's like get out of here we're no longer dating and he's trying to get a dog three-legged dog three by dogs. <laughs> people didn't notice <laughs> off the roof and into a medical uh dog carrier and yeah. i don't know why like do people buy three-legged dogs i didn't understand that either i mean i think it was just to show that he's like what a big he's like bad heartless person um but the thing is first of all my problem one of my problems is like she would why would she date someone like that anyway she's obviously like bohemian hippie yes. loves yes. nature and he is like the opposite like beers chugging trans am driving and like uh, not even a nice guy like not to judge someone by their car but it just doesn't seem like a match anyway. Mm -hmm. And that like, you know, I guess that he would do something like that, which is. Well, her landlord makes reference that he's good looking, which I don't, maybe that was, maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't yeah. see that. I, I missed that part of him. If I wanted to be good looking, that's not the look I would go for. So <laughs> I'm going to say he's not good looking. He's, he's definitely not like, you know, I mean, I don't know, like maybe for that time, if I was older, I mean, I don't know, you know, but I, I don't think so. Yeah. But I just, yeah, that was weird. And it was like, she saw the crate and it said like so-and-so animal. It like said it on it. It was like animal testing or animal, you know, so it wasn't <laughs> like, it, it said it like, it would never say that on the crate, but yeah, she wanted to, he wanted to bring the dog. I don't know why a three-legged dog would be. But he said he was going to get money for it. So he must've gone to this research lab and they were like, here's a crate to go find a three-legged dog and bring it back to us. <laughs> and they just I mean, give him out. three-legged dogs for our research. So, <laughs> and he's like, I got just the place. Uh, yeah, it was weird. But it turns out she's got yeah you're right she's got she's got a skunk which lives in in the house so cute yeah uh, okay I know I know I'm not saying it's right I just think they're cute <laughs> I understand okay well I don't understand owning a skunk but if you're going to own a skunk why would you have it in the house I don't know maybe it has its thing removed its stinky uh, gland I don't know okay maybe all right maybe maybe <laughs> I. I don't know. I am not pretending like I understand. I'm not saying I would have a skunk in the house. But skunks are pretty cute if you get past the smelly part of them. Yeah. It's like it's a fart kitty. What? It's a fart kitty. <laughs> it looks like a cat, but it smells. 
Uh, all right. So she goes to sleep, and in the middle of the night, she hears noise outside, and somehow number five has worked his way into the food truck, and he's just like, he's doing what he's doing the entire movie, which is wrecking everything. He's just squeezing everything and opening everything and knocking everything over. Throwing everything around. He does that the entire movie. He is a destructive being. He is. Well, he's, he wants input. He doesn't understand. Okay. So she thinks he's an alien, which I find hilarious. I mean, it takes her so long until she sees it says like Nova on it, mm-hmm. like Nova Technologies. It is clearly made out of metal. metal like, I don't wires. know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess if I saw that, I don't know what I would think, but I probably wouldn't think alien right away, you know? But she's so excited. She's one of those alien people, too. Yeah. She's like an animal hippie and alien lover. She's like, I knew this would happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. So then she invites him into the house. She's like, obviously, what you do is bring the alien in. And, and, and Five is like, okay, let's, let's go. Well, she does all the different commands, right? Yeah, well, forward. He understands forward. Yeah, finally, she gets forward because he doesn't understand the other ones, which doesn't really make sense because the thing can speak English yes. pretty well. You know, it, it does. It's It speaks English. It kind of has an understanding. I mean, it's a robot that's supposed to be computerized, but now is alive. But does that automatically make it smart because it can like build replicas of itself? It can rewire itself. It can do all these things, which I just like kind of didn't make any sense. But that's doesn't matter. Whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, well, she it says it needs input, needs input, and she's like, I got great input, and she starts saying like, this is a house, this yeah. is a ceiling. <laughs> it's like, and then she gives it the encyclopedias, and it goes through the encyclopedias, and from this point on, <laughs> it should know everything if it read yeah. through every encyclopedia in her house because she's got the whole set. Which is why it's so funny because in the next scene or something, he goes outside and he he's like, "What's that?" And she's like, "Oh, that's the sun." And he's like, "Sun." It's like you just read an encyclopedia. Yeah. <laughs> you just read all <laughs> you know, of the encyclopedias. I'm sure they covered <laughs> sun and at least one of them. You know what the sun is? S? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So then she, it falls off the. The balcony and lands and she sees, I think because it was on the bottom. Oh, because the dog, yeah, the dog is jumping on her, on it. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, you're a robot. And so she calls up the robotics laboratory and she's got such a, such an attitude with them too. She's like, hey, warmongers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. She's like, hey, warmongers. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going with your stupid things here. You come get it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're so happy that they know where it is now. So they send you know, a bunch of people over to get it. And in the meantime, well, she says, like, what are you going to do with it? And they're like, oh, we're going to disassemble it, take it apart, find out why it's malfunctioning. And she's like, okay, whatever. It's a robot. And then he starts, he sees a, a grasshopper and he starts jumping mm. with the grasshopper. This is a big scene for me. I don't know, but I may probably for everyone, but. Me too. And then he ends up jumping without looking and squashing the grasshopper. And uh, he just he wants he wants her to put it back together, and she's like, "Can yeah, it's dead? Disassemble equals death, you know. Right. You can't reassemble life." And he has like an existential meltdown. He has like an existential meltdown about like, "Oh my god, they're gonna disassemble me!" And disassemble equals death, and freaks out. Well, I I get it, you know. Basically, discovering his own mortality. And I think that's when he reveals to her that he's alive, or he thinks he's alive. I don't know how he knows he's alive, but yeah, I don't really either. Um, it's kind of weird. Like he does, he starts to kind of like have this this whole thing where he like cognizant of like 
life and death, humanity, people like love, caring, you know, and it's just, it kind of, it's weird. It doesn't really, they don't really explain it, which it doesn't, I mean, it's ridiculous. So like, you're not going to explain it obviously. Right. But um, yeah, he does suddenly have that. But what I actually thought going back to when you said she calls them, I just think it's funny because she just opens up the yellow pages and it's right there. I mean, this government, this kind of like secret government agency that's like making <laughs> war, these war machines is just right there in the yellow pages. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, and she she gets on the phone with them like right away, Austin Pendleton. Yeah, absolutely. Per, like right, like that. Just that's that she calls up and someone answers. Yeah, I, I like Austin Pendleton in this movie. I think he played it well. Oh, and then he starts. Uh, oh, going back for a second when he's knocking stuff over in the house and he's just like breaking everything, and she's like, she still thinks he's Stanley, and she goes, "You know what? This might be hilarious where you're from. Well, you're from. It's kind of rude. Considered rude." <laughs> But she's like really letting him do whatever. And it's funny because I remember when I was a kid, like really young, we had one of those hanging baskets. Okay. That like when it's, you know, from like, they got bigger in size from the top down. And I went, had some stuff in there and I did that when I was a kid, I pushed it up and went all the fruit and I got in so much trouble. <laughs> I thought it was so much fun to do. And he did it in the movie and I was just like, Boop. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but she just like, assumes that he's just like a prankster. He's like an alien prankster who's come in there and finds it funny to like wreck her house. I guess that's what it is. I don't know. Like it's just, yeah. Like she's just like it's okay because he doesn't know he's from another planet. Like it's fine. But now when he's a robot, it's definitely not okay. And now she's really really mad. And when he finds out that Nova's going to come and disassemble him, he steals her truck. Why does he need a truck? Isn't he built to to go faster to move? Like why does he need to drive a truck? I don't know, but how does he even know how to drive? That's the other thing I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Like you weren't trained to drive because you don't like you weren't programmed. I understand you're alive, but you didn't like you've never you don't have experience with this. So how do you know? Like, did you just because you read the ma- the manual? I don't know, like because he reads really quickly, but that doesn't mean that you know how to drive. It definitely doesn't. Well, he doesn't know how to drive. He's a maniac on the road. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if anyone else caught this, and maybe this is acceptable somewhere. I don't think so, though, because I'm a, a pretty, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of pride myself on like English and spelling and stuff. Okay. It says parties catered. P-A-R-T-Y-S. Oh, does it? Yeah, on the truck. It says, you can see it several times. P-A-R-T-Y-S catered. I'm should like, be I-E-S, right? Yeah, it definitely should. And unless like that was done somewhere else, like I don't know in other countries, because like I understand there's different spellings for things and whatever. But I don't think parties, P-R-T-Y-S, is a thing. I think it's it has like I-E-S has to be at the end of that to make many parties. We cater <laughs> parties. Like, we cater all the parties. So I was like, did they just give that, like, job of painting that to the intern <laughs> that, like, wasn't getting paid and did not know? Because it also, yeah. on the side of her truck, it says, like, it says something that says herbs. I don't know. I'm just like, herbs. this sounds so, it's like a lame, it's a really lame truck. I'm it's like, supposed what to be a snack know? truck, but when it, when it like, um, when it turns, it seems, well, maybe it's fries. It's like, it seems like it's just potatoes fall out. I'm like, does she just sell <laughs> French fries out of this truck? Maybe, maybe that's a snack. I wrote it down somewhere. I, it's in here somewhere. I wrote it down. Oh, I said, what does she sell? Who puts herbs in the side of their food truck? <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you're selling like herb, like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, well, yeah. It's cold. But I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> like, first of all, it's like the spelling is wrong. I'm like, I wouldn't put herbs on the side of my like food truck if I sell <laughs> snacks. You know, I don't know. I just thought that was very funny. <laughs> it is kind of funny. 
I didn't realize that. I saw. I remember her saying parties catered, but yeah, I think parties spelled wrong. It was with an S, yeah, not an I-E-S. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, but I don't know why he needs a truck. And then he hangs his arm out the window like a truck driver, which I think is yeah. kind of funny. Like, where did he learn that from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. And then he he's just he's just ruining her life. He ruined her house. Now he's ruining her truck. He's going to get her arrested. Uh, I don't know. I, he's, he's, he's This robot's bad news, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I would be very upset. I would not be happy with this robot. But they finally get um, Steve. Oh, Steve Gutenberg. And Ben, Fisher Stevens, are after him too. They they find it first. They get to it. And he number five tells Stephanie that he's alive and she comes out and tries to talk to Steve Gutenberg and Fisher Stevens that they are that the robot's alive and they don't believe him. But you can tell right. that he's so he kinda likes her and uh he wants to listen to her because I don't know. He's trying to be nice to her, I guess. But yeah. he's also explaining to her that like it's impossible for it to be alive. I built it with my own hands. I know all the circuits. And she convinces him to come out of the truck. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, G.W. Bailey and his crew show up. And there's like 50 people. Like I don't know that it would need to be. I mean, I guess. like who's it, wait, It's just hard for me to kind of wrap my head around. Because like we're dealing with like this kind of like pretty benign robot. You know, like he doesn't really want to do anything. And it's like one piece of machinery. By all intents and purposes, you should be able to just push a button and turn them off. You know, obviously they can't do that. But I just think it's kind of crazy how there's there's just an overkill. It's always so much overkill when it comes to this robot. Like they just they send in so, so many people. They're just firing guns left and right. People are, you know, shooting. And I, it's just it's so well, it, much. it takes out like the pier and several people like it. it it's definitely well armed. But it is. What I don't understand. Yeah. What I don't understand is that it's it's fairly obvious that guns don't really hurt it. That well, I guess they do because they they do. Do they? How does it get turned off? I think Steve Gutenberg runs in and presses the button. He pushes. He turns. He does turn it off. Right. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like regular guns don't really work against it. I mean, I guess guns they don't. They do, but they don't. Like they they can definitely do some damage, but I don't think that's necessarily. I mean, if you want to blow it up that's one thing but shooting at it doesn't seem to like really do the damage that they were intending but then Mm -hmm. also why do you want to blow up this really expensive piece of machinery that's my other thing like i kept asking i'm like they're like this gw bailey is like hell bent on blowing this thing to smithereens but meanwhile like it costs like millions of dollars so maybe try to take it in a different (laughs) a different way instead of like just exploding it i don't know what's the argument he constantly has with austin pendleton character who wants to keep it in one piece because he knows it's worth money and he, he's like the money guy. So he's like telling G.W. Bailey, try not to blow it up, bring it back because we want to sell it and fix it and sell it. And G.W. Bailey's like, no, I want to kill it. I want to blow it up. Like That's all he wants to do. That's why I find him so annoying in this because it's just like all it is. It's like kill, kill, kill and military, boom, smash, explosions. Like just, mm. I don't know. It's a little bit simpleton. Like, you know, I don't know the way that it's, there, there really is no depth to his character. No. So they they do end up turning the robot off and taking it back to the laboratory. And he turns himself back on, on the truck. Well, I think because he's kind of alive a little bit, so he doesn't have, he's not completely shut down. Well, he, he rewired himself. So it's possible that, yeah, the, the on-off switch doesn't affect his head or something. 
because his head still worked. Right. So he his like he uses his cute little eye flaps yeah. <laughs> to like get something to like push the button so that he has arms that work again. So yeah, he and then he can um kind of function. That was I don't know. That was really I thought that was really cute that scene. Yeah, it was. Little like he's like on the counter like, with his like little eye flap things. <laughs> <laughs> he picks up like a socket wrench and drops it on the on off button. Adorable. Yeah, and then he he hijacks the the truck that's bringing him back to uh, the laboratory. Yep. And he goes, he head starts heading. I, I, does he head straight back to Stephanie's? I don't remember. But once it gets out, because there's basically a shootout on the pier when they recapture this robot and the news gets hold of it and they come to her house the next m- night or that night. And she opens the door and there's all these news crews like, oh, you, you're the one who the robot, you were hanging out with the robot, you know. And one of them asks, did the robot molest you? Uh, yes. I was like, what kind of question is that? Is that because what Steve Gutenberg said about it being a marital? That's what I said. I was like. I, that it's like a sexual <laughs> thing? Like, I don't. I was like. I don't. Uh, well, I think the word molest can be youth. not sexual. It right. can just be it's to true. disturb something or hurt something. It, but, yes. But let's be real. Because when you hear the word molest, the first thing you don't think is that somebody like. To disturb your home or does someone bother you? It means like did somebody touch you in an inappropriate way? That's like what we all think of. So like they could have the writers, if they didn't mean that, could have definitely thought of a better way to put that. Especially since there are other scenes coming up where it gets a little weird between the <laughs> robot and Ellie Cheedy. <laughs> but he does go back to her because um Oh, she's taking a bath and he walks in when hiding behind a tree branch. He's in, has a tree branch, and then because then the boyfriend comes back eventually, like right, the next yeah. day or whatever, and wants the robot because she's like, he's like, I know he's here, and that's when he takes apart his car. Which I love that scene. I don't know why, but I love that scene so much. I love looking at all those car parts like lying there so neatly on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was like I don't. I love that scene. Yeah, she because uh, now there's a reward for capturing the robot, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna go. That's my girlfriend who knows where the. The robot is. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go find him. So he, he goes to her house, and the robot's there. Um, this was wait. Was this before or after the dance scene? This is this is well, when the boyfriend comes. This is yeah. before that. Okay. Oh right, right. Okay. So Saturday Night Fever is playing. Yeah. And which apparently the director was the same. The director, yeah, was the same director. Right, so they put that in. It was kind of funny that they put that in there. Um, so, yeah, they, they get rid of the boyfriend. He comes over, tries to um, capture the robot. The robot outsmarts him, pulls down his pants, and basically humiliates him. <laughs> but you're right, the boyfriend did throw... Alice Sheedy spends a lot of time on the ground in this movie. People keep throwing <laughs> her on the ground. She know? does, actually. <laughs> We're like, get down! Yeah, and she, I mean right. she's scrappy. I get it, you know, but it's kind of messed up. The guys just keep throwing her down. But yeah, so then that night he's watching TV all night, and she wakes up at like three in the morning, and she's like, "Oh, it's three in the morning." He's still watching TV. Yeah, he's watching Saturday Night Fever, and as you said, that was direct, also directed by um, John Benham, as was War Games with Ali Sheedy. Yeah. So then they start dancing, and I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's a little weird. It's a little. I I say here that Ali Sheedy must have felt so silly in some of these scenes because it's clear that if this was a, a man, not a robot, this would have been a meet cute kind of thing, like leading leading towards something. Like you know, what I mean, like leading up to something. Uh-huh. 
Absolutely. I don't know. I guess like I thought it was weird because like when I was younger, I was like, oh, she loves a robot. But I didn't really I don't think I understood like romantic love. I just like I would have loved it, too. Right. Yeah. But I also wasn't a grown woman, you know, like so to me in my brain, it was like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's innocent and taken by itself. But there's just so many parts of the movie where even he'll like she'll see he, he will see Ali Sheedy kiss Steve Gutenberg. And he's like, oh, I want to kiss too. Like, yeah, there's just so many things that when added up, it's like, it's a little weird. It's a little it, weird. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a fun scene. The, watching the movie and then he does the dancing with her and spins her around and dips her. And yeah, it's cute. I like that scene. I did. It was fun when I was a kid. At least she, she's adorable. I just, I like, I love her character in this movie. I do. Like she's scrappy. She's also like a little hippie. You know, she's like not afraid to take shit, but she's also like, I love things. I don't know. I just think she's awesome. Yeah, she she's very assertive. And I think it's she's a great character. Was it just me or did you notice that it seemed like a lot of the conversations between her and her ex were dubbed? I think a lot of the movie was dubbed. But I noticed it the most with her and him, though. I don't know why. I was like, this is I don't know. It just didn't look I didn't sound like it was natural, you know, coming from it was it sounded like it had been done um, post production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed it with him with her. I don't know, because I, she's got such a unique voice to me and a unique delivery of, of lines that I, I would have found it very difficult for her to reproduce the same delivery every time. Maybe she mm-hmm. did. But I definitely noticed it with him because I think he was worse at it. He was worse at dubbing his lines. It's, it seemed like for that, I just noticed it, especially the conversations. I didn't notice it too much. I didn't notice it some other places, but that was where I noticed it the most for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed it too. And there was, the, this was in the trivia, unfortunately. It was another time where I thought I noticed something that no one else noticed, but it was in the trivia. So I can't take credit for it. But when he runs out of the house and she's running after him and she's supposed to be really mad at him, he slips. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he slips completely on accident. It's not meant to be. And she delivers this line that's supposed to be mean, but she's like almost laughing. The fact yeah. that he fell down. I noticed that too. I was like, I wonder that looked like a that looked like a real slip. It did not look like he was supposed to do that. It no, totally yeah. like a real slip, and they left that in the in the movie. I thought the same exact thing. That's funny. I was thinking the same thing when I saw that. Because she's delivering this mean line, but it looks like she's about to laugh. Yeah. But yeah. So then she says, We're gonna get Steve Gutenberg, because he seemed reasonable. We're gonna get him alone. And try to convince him that he that robots alive, and we're gonna meet at this neutral place. It's like a I don't know what that was bar, like a cowboy bar. They're in Oregon. Are there yeah. cowboy bars in Oregon? <laughs> yeah, probably. There's a lot okay. of ranchers out there, you know. Sure. Oregon Trail. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't know the Pacific Northwest that well. So th- yeah, they're in a cowboy bar, and he's trying to. She's trying to explain to him that the robots alive, but little does she know. Little does either of them know. G. W. Bailey and his team are also sitting at the bar. Yeah. Bar. Yeah. Cause they're eavesdropping waiting to hear where the robot is. And they also bring out the other prototype robots and they, they start coming after number five, but he outsmarts them. Uh, which it was a weird scene. Cause the robots show up and they're like, must be discreet. And it's like, you're speaking very loudly for like, yeah. robots who are trying to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, do not destroy. And then just start shooting at him. And I'm like, what is with these robots? They're neither discreet and or, they're or not. yeah, and they're not trying to not kill it. They're definitely killing it. And I'm sorry, but like if that laser can blow up like tanks, it can definitely it would have blown that rock to smithereens. Oh, yeah. 
I was yeah. like, dude, you ain't saving yourself with no rock against a laser. Like, get out of here. <laughs> I was so stupid. So he, he he outsmarts all the other prototypes one by one and then reprograms them to be the Three Stooges. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> and of course you have the line, hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. Yes. Which is like the classic... If you knew this movie growing up and you watched it, like, you know that that is the line that you're going to think of when you think of this movie. I mean, it is just, it's classic. It's a classic line. It's absolutely. That's the line that I laughed hardest at and my parents would always say. It was just kind of like, that was the line that everyone thought was amazing. And it really was. Yeah. And it, it, was. it got to me hearing that, you know, because that was big in my family, that line. I felt that. I felt it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so number five comes in, swoops in, disables the other robots, reprograms them, saves Stephanie, and they take off together. And they drive into, onto the desert, basically. They're basically driving into just the desert. They don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. Well, before, so they, they think that they blew him up and they think he's dead and they're all celebrating and happy. No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah. No. No, no. So... They drive in and she's like, oh, she she thinks Steve Gutenberg set her up. And she's like, if I see them again, if you see them again, you should you should burn their butts or something. Right, like yeah. That. And he's like, no, I don't want to hurt anybody. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, I'm going to go kidnap Steve Gutenberg and get him over here. So he goes back and he kidnaps Steve Gutenberg. And okay, sorry. Right, right, right. Brings Steve Berg. And then she she's she's sleeping with a freaking bat. She's sleeping in the truck with her bat. And the robot brings Steve Gutenberg, and she's like, all right, you know what? You two go up in the mountain and talk. And they spend all night talking up on the top of the mountain. And I love this scene. I think this scene's amazing. Uh, because the idea is that he will come to realize that the robot's alive. And I don't know. But he, he tells a bad joke, and the robot laughs. And I and I don't understand. It's, it's kind of stupid because a joke. I don't get. I don't really get the joke. I don't see why it's a joke. Is it a joke? I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It's kind of an anti-Semitic joke, to be honest. I was gonna say, it's, and Steve Gutenberg, hello, Mister Jewish man. Like, yeah, yeah. I thought it was anti-Semitic, and then I was like, I don't even think it's a joke though, because I don't really understand why it's funny. Like, I don't. I just didn't get the joke as a kid, and I still. And I was like. And I remember like the scene, I was like, maybe I'm going to get the joke now. Maybe I'm old enough to understand that I still watch. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what that means. So, but then he's like, he waits and he starts laughing. And then all of a sudden he realizes he's alive. Yeah. It's like, so it took all of this stuff has been going on this whole time. And like <laughs> all of these things have been happening. And now because you tell a really bad Bad Jew joke, which is like, I'm sorry, I'm Jewish. I'll take offense to that. Like, what is that about? I'm part Jewish, yeah. I mean, hey, whatever. It's right. you know. It's, <laughs> and now you think it's like now he's alive. Hey, if 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 we don't want people to get mad at the Indian stereotypes, we can't give can't get mad at the Jewish stereotypes. Oh no, too, you know? I just it's but I don't even understand the joke. Like, it's, I just don't get it. I might be looking at the the Catholic Protestant one part of the joke too far, but basically, it's a, a Catholic a, a Protestant and a, a Jewish person or Jew. Because Jewish people like money, right? That's the thing. That's what they're, they're saying. They're cheap, right? So if they're, they're the three of them are trying to figure out how much to give to charity or to. So if you throw the money up in the air, the Jewish God is going to keep the money. Is that the joke? Is that what it is? No, it's uh, well, I don't think so. Maybe, but my interpretation is, and again, the Catholic and Protestant, they drew a circle. The Catholic said it has to land in a circle because Catholic is very strict on like this is what you can and can't do, and the Protestants kind of define themselves as basically. 
not Catholic. Like a Protestant is doesn't have a definition of so many different types. The only the only thing they agree on is it's not Catholic. So inside the circle is very Catholic, and outside the circle is very Protestant. And the Jew is like, well, if we throw the money up, God will if whatever money uh, God wants, He keeps. Well, if you throw money up, it's all going to come back it's down. All gonna come so down. it's a okay. it's like an out of like not having to give any money to charity. Oh. <laughs> 30 something years later and I finally get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it now. So okay. If they follow no, the, not, the Jews was, rules, they'll never have to give any money away. I'm not offended. I was just kidding, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny that like he tells this terrible joke and then that's the thing that like, you know, he's like he must be alive because he is laughing at it. He's like it's not even a good joke. <laughs> it's not a good joke. It's, like, it's really not. I'm laughing. I was laughing at that because you explained it to me and it took me this long to realize what it Man, well, I, I, I don't know if I'm that. right. It's but, funny. I just yeah. think it's amazing that it took me this long to know what it meant. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so yeah, then he ties his shoes together or something like you know he does he does things that like a person would do. Like he's a trickster. He's funny and he's got yeah, his little personality. Steve Gutenberg's looking at his wiring, trying to figure out where the 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 malfunction is, and he's like, I gotta go get my other manual. And he gets up and his his shoelaces are tied together. They're tied together. Yeah. Yeah. Because the robot has a very childlike uh, sense of humor, I think. Yeah, he's like, because even even she said she's like, he says he's doing pretty well for a five day old or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And she makes him soup in a mug, right? She brings soup up to the mountaintop. <laughs> I don't know. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I have a note. I literally have a note about that. But no, I, I, it just seemed weird. I was like, why? It's a weird thing. Is that all she had? Is that the only thing she had to eat? I mean, I guess her herbs were ran out. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> use them all. But I was like, in my notes, it's like, is that blood soup? I'm like, what? <laughs> it is like the reddest. I guess it's supposed to be tomato soup, but it is, it is like red. It looks like <laughs> a um, Dario Argento blood scene. Like it's that bright, bright red, like blood that he uses, you know? And I'm like, I've never had tomato soup that looked like that. Like it's viscous and it's like, <laughs> red and he does the the ink blot like the rorschach thing for the for him but it's like guess what now you're a vampire like yeah i mean it looks <laughs> gross it's like what are you drinking like what are you eating <laughs> disgusting <laughs> so they yeah they, well, as soon as they as soon as steve gutenberg comes to the realization that the robot's alive the rest of the army shows up or the military or whatever and they they have so many they have helicopters they have so many guns the robot makes a run for it out the back of the truck and they unload everything they've got and they blow it up and they think that uh, the robot's dead and they're all celebrating and they're, it, it, it's this, like I was saying earlier, it's this contrast of them being so happy and Ali Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg sitting there knowing that life was just destroyed and being so upset. And it's a it's a real contrast. I mean, I even have a note here. It says there's a laughable amount of military in this. <laughs> it's just so it really is. Though. I mean, it's kind of insane, like the amount of military backup. And the other thing I want to know is that because G.W. Bailey's like, I think they called him Scrotum, but it's like Scroter. Scroter, right? yeah. 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 Um, that he was wearing a hat and it said like Nova on it. So like, does Nova have their own military? Or was this supposed to be like the U.S. Army type of thing? Like, what was this? What military was this? It's possible he was just security for Nova Robotics. That's security? I mean, that's some tense shit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're obviously a 
their defense department contractor. Okay, because they were wearing Nova stuff. Yeah, but you're right. They may have been a private organization. I don't know. I mean, Nova was private, but I don't know if the security department was also private. It's like they kind of made it seem like it was U.S. military, but then they also didn't because it was like it was Nova. They were wearing Nova uniforms. They weren't. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I wasn't really sure what it was, but it's still it's still mil- it was still militarized. Like the, the, whatever this company was was military. I mean, because they were crazy. Austin Pendleton was his boss, and Austin Pendleton was a private citizen. So it, yeah, they must not have been military. They must have actually been private security, maybe with military backgrounds. Well, they're very intense. Yeah. So they blow it up, and they all leave. And Steve Gutenberg and Alex Shee are driving back in a Nova. This is what I, this is the part I understand. They're driving back in a Nova robotics laboratory van. Right. And Steve Gutenberg is like, I quit. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry you had to quit. And he's like, ah, it's for the best. It's like, why are you driving a Nova uh, truck by yourself if you quit? Why would they give you a truck full of parts that yeah. belong to the company if you no longer work there? Like you just stole that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you no longer work here, but uh, you can drive that truck back. We'll meet you. It's like, no, that, that would never happen. He would be escorted or he would be in the back and someone from the company would be driving. How they think, right. How the two of them wound up with just this truck? Well, first of all, they've known each other for, I don't know, maybe if we're going to do movie time, like, has it been a week? If possibly. And now they're moving to Montana together. Yeah. You guys just met <laughs> like 48 hours ago and now you're moving to Montana and going to a ranch and living there. And that's. You know, great. This is my other question. Is this the genesis of you wanting to visit Montana? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. I didn't even think of that. Maybe I maybe I did base my life around Al, like being Ellie Sheedy from this movie. <laughs> she kind of is me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. No, I, I did not. It's so funny, though. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe I should look into that. Like, that's really funny that I like there's so many things about my personality and who I am now that are so similar to her character in the movie. And that's yeah, pretty funny. And uh, then the well, then it turns out the robot, the real number five was hiding in the truck the whole time. He had built, he had built himself a and he was smart enough to do that somehow. He built himself a replica yeah. that spoke. Just like him, apparently, because it didn't well, make it noise. Just, did it didn't say anything? I think it just bolted it out of the truck. And, thing, okay. and, it, and then it said, aye! <laughs> it made, like, noises. Um, so he built it that quickly and that efficiently, and that's amazing. And it was at this point, at the end of the movie, when they're talking to each other, and they're face-to-face, and I'm looking at Ellie Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg, and I'm like, hey, they got the same hair. <laughs> they kind of do. <laughs> oh, God, their hair was both terrible. In the yeah, so. it was. So was the boyfriend. Jeez. Oh, God. So, I mean, that's all I have for my notes. I was like, they all live ever after until we see them again in, uh, when, what year did that come out? 1989? Which one? Uh, sequel? Yeah. One of them wasn't in it. Or maybe both of them weren't in it. Ali Sheedy wasn't in it. Was Steve Gutenberg in it? It was. Um, I thought it was just Fisher, Fisher Stevens. Steven yeah. And the guy from Michael McKean. Uh, Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. And I thought Steve Gutenberg. Maybe he wasn't. I don't think he was. Hmm. It's 1988, so it was only two years later. Mm-hmm. And no, Ali Sheedy wasn't. Oh, you're right. Steve Gutenberg wasn't in either. Yeah, but they did make reference to the fact that they broke up. I don't remember what the reason given was. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I I haven't seen that one either in a long time, but I know that he comes, like, in a crate. 
to a warehouse. I don't know. I have to watch it again. But it, it opens up with Ben trying to sell little miniature little version. real ones. Yeah. I want one so bad. So, I, yeah, I was like, oh, I hope this is even as a kid. I was like, I hope they really sell those. I know. Me too. They should have. I don't know if they did, but they should have. What a missed opportunity for merchandising. Seriously. Well, I mean, that's that's it. That's the the original short circuit, and it's. Uh, and it, we didn't even talk about Fisher Stephen during the actual plot. Because he was mostly just uh, comic relief, but it was very funny. Yeah, he was funny. And like, you know what? But obviously, he was integral to the plot. He was an important part of the story. But he wasn't like, he wasn't in it as much. Like the second one, he was in it so much more. Mm-hmm. He was more of a focal character. But this one, he was kind of like the side guy, like the, the comic relief, like you said, like the funny kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, I just thought he was cute and funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked him. Uh he might have been my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. Well, besides Johnny Five. Because he's like, I don't want number five. He's like, I need. And then that song, Who's Johnny? Oh, my God. First of all, was that a real song or is that just for the movie? Well, I, it was a real song, but it may have been written for the movie. I'm not sure. Like it was, But I mean, like, was it just on the soundtrack? That was DeBarge, right? I think. Well, um, you know what I mean? Like It was on the soundtrack. Yeah. But I mean, it was made for the movie. It wasn't like a song that was that was out and then they used it. It's like he, they made that movie for. I'm gonna look that up because that's a good question. Um, I think I'm assuming they did. Yeah. But it was it was on it was on a lot. <laughs> it played. It's not a good song. It is El Barge, Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good song. Who is Johnny? It's the debut solo single of DeBarge. Uh, it was used for the film Short Circuit. I I, I don't think it was written for the movie. Really? Because I never heard it on the radio, I don't think. But I don't really remember, to be honest. I don't think so, yeah. No, I'm going to have to say I'm going to have a lot of trouble figuring out what I, I think the uh, ratings for this are. Yeah, let's do it. Because I think that it was definitely a movie that was people liked, but I don't think that it did well. I don't think that it did well with people. I'm like, I was just thinking about it when I was watching it. I'm like, I don't think this movie did that great. I don't know, though. Well, let's, do, let's start with Rotten Tomatoes, I guess. What do you think the critics thought of Short Circuit? Ooh. Like, I'm trying to, like, I know, like, a lot of times I would give, like, a range. I'm trying to, like, not do that anymore. I feel like a 5%, a 5, you know, within, like, a 5-point range is, like, you know, fair. But um, Mm -hmm. I have this number, like, 48 in my head for some reason. Like, I feel like it, I don't think that the critics liked it. 48. I don't know why that number is in my head, but it is. So I'm okay. just going to go with it. What about the audience? Um, I'm going to say, I feel like the audience is probably in like, I want to say the audience is like in the 80s. Maybe like 81. 48 and 81. I don't know. Like, this is just numbers that are coming to my head. I, I don't know why, but I just feel like they were not. This is a tough one, I think. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a look. Because as a, as a kid, it was like, it was <laughs> so great, you know, like, oh man, I was off. 58 for the critics and 67 for the audience, which is closer than I thought. They, they're together, each are closer to each other than yeah, I thought. Yeah, they're much closer. I thought that it would be more for the audience because I feel like people liked it. I'm surprised. Like, I thought it was kind of, I mean, the 67 is not, it's not the worst, but it's not, it's not good. Yeah. You're saying uh, the consensus is that it's shallow, predictable, and hardly as deep or emotional as E.T., yeah, but it wasn't supposed to be E.T. <laughs> Let's see, Gene Siskel. The film has nowhere to go except give us a predictable initial confrontation between Gutenberg and Sheedy over military weapons. Mm, shut up. Okay. 
It's basically a kids movie and quite possibly the kids will like it, but they'll have to be fairly young kids. Celia Ebert went like a little bit more positive with it. You know, like Cisco is just like, well, actually, no, Robert Ebert. Is, who's the one that we always read? Ebert. Yeah. Oh, is it? OK, well, he actually it's not terrible. And that's true. I mean, it is a kids movie. There's really nothing inappropriate that kids will understand. There's nothing. <laughs> there's no nudity. There's no, you know, nothing really bad. I mean, there's some like explosions and stuff, whatever, but like there's nothing like awful for a child and like kids do like it. Yeah, I agree. I like this one. In the spectrum of Mac and Me and E.T., it's right smack there in the middle with batteries not included. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure we're going to end up doing at some point. Yeah. It's, that's one that I, I feel is what you were feeling with this movie is I was going to pick that and I watched it to see and I was like, I don't know if this is cheesy. This is actually kind of heartwarming. Wait, batteries not included? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Mac and me. Okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about batteries not included also, though, because batteries not included to me is a very sweet movie. It is. Old people, robots, people like, it's like caring. I'm like, I don't know if this can, movie can go on our list, to be honest. I just don't think that it's a cheesy movie. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to laugh at that movie. Let's move to the audience. I'm surprised that the audience didn't like it more. So I want to see some of their some of their comments here. Well, nobody's got like one star. Or no, I mean this guy's got two, but yeah. But it wasn't as good as it once was. Okay, but sweetie, guess what? <laughs> it was 1986, and you're writing this in 2012. So yeah, I'm sure you were quite a bit younger when you saw it. So of course you can't say that. I don't know. It's a stupid. That's like when you know the reviews. Like when somebody reviews a restaurant a steak restaurant saying that they don't have enough uh, vegetarian meals. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't give us a, a restaurant one star because you didn't like that. They didn't have a steakhouse because they didn't have enough vegetarian meals. And you knew where you were going. You knew what the movie was. You saw it when you were a kid, you say you remember it was when it was little, but it's not as good as it once was. It's not going to change. You're the only one that's changed, you know? So don't do that. Yeah. And he's saying it wasn't as good as number two. Star Trek two was the better version. It's like, uh, you can't compare them. You can't. I like I like both of them. Nobody gave it bad reviews. It's just... Exactly. Yeah. So why 68%? It's looking for two stars or less. One and a half. A film that demands emotional connections with a robot whose voice is one of the most annoying ever produced. <laughs> give us Hal, ArchD2, Alpha 5, or a barbershop quartet of Daleks any day. Daleks are from uh, Doctor Who. And you would hate them. Because they have very very robotic voices. His voice isn't that robotic, though. I it's think it's not. Kind of, yeah, it's better than the his counterparts, like with the number one, two, three, and four. You know, this guy gave it two stars, but his reviews in French. It's in French. <laughs> <laughs> I can read. I can understand something boring. Um, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. I, I know a little bit. It's you don't like, to say boring in French. Slightly, <laughs> yes, I do. It's slightly funny. The something about action. I don't know. Um, with simple. With simple personality of Fisher Stevens, who's and he's very upset about the fact that he's that he played an Indian. Like yeah, this yeah, I can tell. So this is annoying to him. I so see, I can see Indian. Honestly, I can see. I'm I'm bored of your annoying French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so move on. And what is this Lex one? Question, 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 question. Eighties. <laughs> like yes, it was from the eighties. I don't know. Is that your question? Yeah. Are you? Is this is review. Are you asking a question? It's just like fifteen question marks in like eighties. <laughs> Favorite robot ever. Three stars. Yeah. Well, then you know. Should, yeah. <laughs> and you're not that. I mean, you're not that hot cool. on robots. You're lukewarm on robots, so it doesn't really yeah. mean much. It's like my favorite 
childhood disease I ever got ever. <laughs> I'm not really into it, but I mean, I guess if I had to have one again, chicken pox wouldn't be that bad. I thought that this would be an interesting. I thought that this would be, that's what he said. I thought that this would be an interesting, but it is a big disappointment. The characters are mind numbingly generic, but number five is actually an interesting character. The premise tries to ask, what would you do with a talking robot that could blow shit up? That is not the premise of this movie. That is absolutely not even close to the premise, <laughs> but uh, sure. If we're asked this, I would destroy it before it could do any harm. It can be funny, but it doesn't show until near the end. Okay, this person doesn't speak English. It's, apparently. No, but it doesn't, it's not even that. Like, you just don't know how to write a paragraph. <laughs> However, the special effects are pretty good and save this curiosity from the depths of mediocrity. But you gave it a three out of five. That's a mediocre you, you score. You just said that is a disappointment. Yeah, you're all over the place, man. So it's, I don't know. Anyway, really beautiful film, but slow in places. I actually, you know what? I, that, I have to say, I don't know about beautiful, but I have to say I agree because I forgot how long the beginning is. It is so long until anything happens. There's just so much boring 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 stuff i'm like 20 minutes in i'm like why what i'm like i remember this being more exciting when i was younger i, I personally did not get bored watching this but it did definitely did have the pacing that i remember as a kid because i remembered steve gutenberg and ali sheedy protecting the robot for a lot longer but steve gutenberg doesn't get convinced that he's alive until the last 10 minutes of the movie oh late yeah which i did not remember that being the case all right so box office numbers did you you didn't look at anything, right? No, I have no idea. Okay, so the budget for this movie was eighty six. The budget for this movie was nine million dollars. Huh? Which actually isn't that much. I thought this was a much bigger budget movie. That's pretty cheap. I mean, I guess if you think about, I mean, they had they spent a lot of money, obviously, on the robotics of it. Exactly. Um, that's probably where they spent most of their money. I mean, everything else was. It's know. it's just weird to think like Xanadu was twenty million dollars. And it was just people on roller skates dancing and a movie with multiple talking robots and explosions was $9 million. $9 million. And yeah, it had more star power. That's true. That is weird. Like, what were you doing on that? What was going on there? <laughs> it's so <laughs> um, crazy. I'm going to have to say $9 million, This definitely made money. Um, I want to say that it, I don't know that it, okay. Well, looking at the reviews now, like seeing that, I'm going to say that it didn't make as much as I think it might have but i would like to say that it made 27 million 27 million i don't three x this movie made 40 million oh wow 97 yeah good yeah good so it did very well made you know more than four x it's uh it's budget so got a sequel it's great um and it did it get, most of these movies back then just had domestic box office. They didn't have international. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But let's see. What was it competing against when it came out? It came out uh, May 9th. And it was number one at the box office. Nice. Yeah. Jojo Dance at Your Life is Calling. What the hell is that? I never heard of that. I never heard <laughs> of Fire with Fire, Blue City. Well, it didn't do very well. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> Oh, the Money Pit came out the same around the same. Well, it didn't. No. But it was in the theaters around the same time. Yeah, this it was already out for seven weeks. But it had been in the theaters. It's like at least Academy Three, Pretty in Pink. Okay. Yeah, Legends, Critters, Critters Kung Ho, <laughs> Police Academy. Well, there's another GW Bailey film. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
He was busy. He was busy in the eighties. He was very busy in the eighties. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I was I knew that they had I was like they had to have made money and I was like, I don't know. I kind of like honestly my first instinct was to say like 50 million. I was gonna say like 50, but I'm like, I don't know if it went that it did that well just like based on those reviews. And I know that like a lot of those reviews are from even now, you know what I mean? But I'm like, oh maybe it wasn't really mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't really like that well received, but Okay, so what do you think uh what's your rating for this movie? Um so my overall rating, I'm going to give it a seven. Mm-hmm. I think it's sweet. I think it's, you know, it, it's a very, a lot of the dialogue was pretty terrible. I definitely had, you know, some issues listening to the things that they said. And I was like, oh God, that's not good. <laughs> so, so the writing, the dialogue was kind of cheesy, but I thought it was a sweet movie. And I thought that I mean, especially for me, the nostalgia factor, you know, like I cannot, I, there's no way. I, I mean, I want to give it higher, but I really just like watching it as an adult. I'm like, you know, it's, it wasn't as enjoyable watching it now, for sure. It definitely brought back great memories. I still think Johnny Five is the best, but <laughs> I, I have to go. I, I think I have to go with seven. Got it. And for cheese factor, I'm kind of maybe going to say like a six. I don't really, I still don't think this, this movie is cheesy. So I'm giving it more than half, but it's not quite as cheesy as we have done in the past. And mm-hmm. again, I think maybe it's clouding my nostalgia. Love for it is, is you know, clouding my, you know, the real opinion or the real vision of it. But I'm going to have to go with a, a six cheese and seven regular. Okay, I think we're very close on this one. Matter of fact, I'm going to give this one a seven overall, too. Um, I actually thought about giving it an eight, but mm-hmm. it's just it's just not it's 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 very unique, but it's not um, uh, it doesn't take a lot of chances. It's a unique premise, but I think the actual movie itself doesn't take a lot of chances. So I think that the the idea that it's predictable is a true criticism, but I think that there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't make it exceptional. It's just a good movie. So I think seven's a good good number for that. And I'm going to give it a seven on cheese, too, because I do think it's pretty cheesy. I think um, it's another thing. I was also considering giving an eight for cheese, but I think seven. So I'm going to give it seven and seven. Yeah, I was debating whether or not like what, what I was going to do with my cheese and my, you know, my rating. It's just like I don't want my my love for this movie because like when I loved it when I was a kid to overshadow like what it is and like watching it as an adult and seeing the technical things that are wrong with it and seeing that there's so that there's just a lot of issues that you don't look at when you're a child. So, mm-hmm. so my pick coming up this week, um, we've discussed, yeah, we discussed it. And, okay. uh, uh, I am going to go with, uh, young Einstein. Okay. Featuring <laughs> Yahoo serious. Yahoo serious. <laughs> I believe, well, we can talk about that during the movie. So we'll talk that next week. But yeah, we're going to do Young Einstein, and uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags.